Hello, D&D companions. This is Dave Cole, here to start a new Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. I am the creator of The Four Orbs, a custom Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition world. This introduction episode will be a chance for me to introduce my custom world and some of the changes I have made to the Dungeons & Dragons system. These changes will coincide with the world that our players will be starting their journey. Now, this episode is going to be rather hard to follow as it's just an introduction, but this info is on the website, just not word for word. So let's dive in. Asus, a vast world built on the foundation of four elements, life, death, creation, and destruction. The true elements cause great disorder in the world with eternal life, restless death, and a violent war between creation and destruction. The disruption with the true elements ended with a man named Remora who forged four orbs that each represented one of the true elements blue orb for life, a black orb for death, a green orb for creation, and a red orb for destruction. After the forging of the Remora orbs, the orbs are brought together and locked away to forever balance the world of Asus. The war between creation and destruction had ended. The people of Asus now were able to rest in peace but lost their immortal life. Remora then traveled to see how his orbs had benefited the world. His journey led him by land and sea. Remora discovered that balancing the true elements did in fact make all beings equal, bringing about the equilibrium. But with the balance came unforeseen complications. War began to spread across the land. Kings and dictators were soon empowered to handle the problems within society. People began to fear death as it was now their destiny. Famine and natural disasters became unpredictable with creation and destruction working as one. When seeing what changes the orbs had done to Asus, Remora regretted his decision and started his journey back to the location of the orbs. He gathered the orbs and spread them across Asus hoping that the separation of the indestructible orbs would allow the elements to work naturally in the world. Even with the orbs separated, Asus continued to change. After many years, Asus and its citizens discovered ways to live within the Equilibrium. The initial unforeseen complications of war, famine, sickness, and fear still plagued the land, but the people learned how to fend against it. The kingdom's leaders eventually founded territory lines and signed trees. Farmers learned to grow in an environment that was forever falling apart. As generations came and went, people no longer feared death, but accepted it as they knew it was something that was impossible to avoid. Eventually, the Remora orbs were forgotten, but the true elements were never forgotten. With the natural elements imbalanced by the power of the forgotten orbs, the new elements began to further balance the true elements. Life and creation brought purity. Creation and destruction brought law. Life and death brought spirit. Life and destruction brought chaos. Death and creation brought darkness. Death and destruction brought evil. 
Without the new elements, the equilibrium would crumble in Asus. To ensure the protection of all the elements, the Guardians came into being to preserve the integrity of the elements. When the Guardians first came into play, the new Guardians began to battle across Asus and took on aid from the populace of territories. Kings were promised treasures, land, and power if they vowed allegiance to a Guardian, thus beginning the War of the Guardians in the earliest historical documents. The true Guardians did not take part in the feud until later when Nevor and the Guardian of Evil began to seek the Four Orbs to control the power of all elements. The true Guardians quickly interfered with the war and imprisoned Vorn in a book for eternity. With evil cast away, Asus once again found peace. There are complex civilizations throughout Asus. Rodana, the first civilization founded on the southern side of Solaria, is a military state. Rodanians are known for conquering other civilizations with their vast numbers and incredible strategic actions. Right before the Equilibrium, Rodana had made moves through Solaria and successfully conquered Telavastral. But as they were attacking Mithron, Hanet, the Guardian of Darkness, took control of the borders of Mithron. The entire offensive force of Rodana was lost in the darkness of the now-forgotten civilization of Mithron. Mithron, known for housing the Arcane Well, when taken over by Hanet, the Guardian of Darkness, caused a rift with arcane magic throughout the world of Asus. Spellcasters now require life force in order to power their arcane magic. Andron, a society run by complex democratic political systems, thrives for peace between all Solarian civilizations. Andron's political dominance without a standing army often causes more wars on the continent. Rodana conquered Andron before its army was lost in the darkness of Mithron. Andron is also the home of two major organizations in Asus. The Crimson Command, who are enforcers of the Elemental Equilibrium, reside in the city of Hanaria and the Golden Krell, who are a secret organization of experimental spellcasters hide away in the city of Gamor. Calandria, the dwarven civilization in the northern mountains of Solaria, is known for their casting of the strongest known metal in Asus, Dark Iron. A black metal with purple undertones within its shine when polished. The dwarven civilization is open to travelers so that their strongest export, Dark Iron, is easily accessible for trade. Dark Iron is often used for large fortresses. The outside of Tanatha, the capital city of Calandria, is an extravagant construction of Dark Iron defenses. Southwest of Solaria is another continent called Lunalia. Lunalia today consists of three unified nations, Chandelin, Sobar, and Port Haven. The three nations each have a set of chancellors and archons all working directly under the king, who stays within the golden walls of Shandlin. There are nine chancellors in each city representing the power of each guardian absent foreign. Each chancellor has three archons given the duties of judicial, municipal, and military guidance. Shandlin is also the location of Wigastry University, a prestigious wizarding school taught by the Wizards Rainbow, Masters of the Arcane Spectrum. 
Two hundred years after the Equilibrium, Rodana to the north had once again built a vast army and attempted to conquer Lunalia. Rodana had conquered Somar and Shandalin, but when the Rodanian army approached the walls of Fort Haven, Exdolu, Guardian of Destruction, and Edomo, Guardian of Creation, battled outside of Fort Haven, causing the demise of yet another Rodanian army. That army could have conquered the entire world of Aces, if not for the disruption of the Guardians once again. Northwest of Lunalia and west of Solaria, the Elven lands prosper without the touch of the Equilibrium. Continuing to live as immortals and worshipping the Elven gods of Earth, Water, Air, and Fire, the Elves of Lethansis do not leave their home without losing their immortality. It is said that the city of Silvertris holds the White Well. It continues to provide the Elves immortality within Lethansis' borders. Few believe this to be true. The last civilization is an ungoverned island called Laron, a pirate island of criminals escaping their home civilizations. Tinkering gnomes also use the island of Laron to experiment with scientific and arcane theories. Rodana at one point had used the island as a prison before they lost the island in an uprising. As different as all of these nations are, they all recognize that the elements are the true driving force and power of Asus. However, it seems there is an issue with controlling these elements as of late. Hey, companions! Oh, once again, thanks for tuning in. I know this episode has been pretty hard to follow. That's really a lot of information. And I tried to kind of skim it down and make it simple, but I, it's really just kind of hard whenever you have all these big, giant custom worlds and all these names that you've never heard of. It's, it's, it's difficult. I know. I Believe me, I've been there. Even writing them is just difficult for me. But there will be some helpful tools out there. Uh, the website is www.4orbs.org, and I categorized it simply not even to release anything for this podcast, but really just to help you guys with understanding the world. There will be maps, descriptions, I'll have like names of the guardians and what they represent, uh, groups, guilds, cities like the Wigistry University and Crimson Command, all those key things that I seem to be talking about in the introduction will all kind of have some descriptions within the website. The fact that you've made it this far, though, must mean that you might be dedicated to understanding it all, which is absolutely awesome to me. I mean, I can't, I've been doing this for over a decade, and I can't wait to share more details with you guys about Asus and its inhabitants. Now, one thing that I wanted to make sure was rather clear before we start are two things. First, Life Force. Um... This is kind of a new concept that I've been working with as a DM for years. I slightly touched on it with the Arcane Will and Mithron uh, during this introduction, but from a gameplay standpoint, what this means is that our spellcasting players have to use their HP to cast spells. Uh, this is specifically to Arcane Magic, so I haven't quite decided if I was going to do it with Clerics, Paladins, this is for the Divine if you are any classic D&D pl players out there. But... Um, I don't have any clerics, so I'm not really worried about it right now. But so for example, if a wizard casts a level 3 spell like Lightning Bolt, well, it's that wizard is going to have to sacrifice 3 HP. But in turn, if a wizard casts a cantrip like Ray of Frost, because it's a level 0 spell, 0 HP has to be sacrificed, so they can you know cast cantrips as much as they want still. 
Now, this mechanic was added to the game only because of the corruption that has taken place over the arcane well in Asus. For you metagamers out there, no, you cannot use temporary HP to cast spells. I know I already had one of my players try and figure try and do that, but I can't allow that one. It ruins the whole point. Second, and this one might be hard for some of you veteran players out there to accept, but there are no dragons in Asus? I know. What's a Dungeons and Dragons game without dragons? Well, I can't say I have an answer for you, but if you tune in weekly to our game, you'll find out. Now, things in 5th edition that are affected by the fact that there are no dragons and no evidence of them ever existing in Aces means that A, Dragonkin is not an available race to our players, and B, Sorcerer's Origin Draconic Bloodline is not available to our players either. I will say, though, that the elders of Aces do pass on mythical stories of dragons to frighten little children before they go to sleep. So the concept of dragon, the concept of a dragon, is there in the world. But this is not really evidence of them ever existing, just because there's tales. There's no, like, bones or graveyards or any spottings. They, it just doesn't exist. Now, some history on me. I've been a dungeon master using this concept of a world for over a decade. My first character I ever played was a human paladin playing Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition. When that game died out, I became obsessed with the game, and I couldn't ever find a DM to play with again. So I became one. I then picked up my own D&D 3.5 book, and have been playing edition 3.5 ever since. This podcast, however, will be my first time playing 5th edition, as well as our players. So bear with me and my friends as we learn the ways of 5th edition. We hope to release a new episode every week without interruption, we had a good group. We actually just finished a campaign before starting this podcast. That campaign lasted for over a year and a half, and we played once a week on a schedule. Sometimes we miss because of someone being sick or unforeseen events, but the group is very good about being available. And I think that's all I've really got to say for this introduction. I thank you again for tuning in as long as you have already, and I hope you continue to join us week to week. The next episode should be available next week. It will feature two players that will not be part of our permanent cast. The two players will be playing our one-episode prequel to Act 1 of Power Within. See you next week! Mm-hmm.